This is the Roden Fellows Podcast. Capital One is a proud partner of the Roden Fellows Program, which provides opportunities to inspiring sports journalists from historically Black colleges and universities to produce content, including this podcast, throughout the year. Capital One supports this program as a part of their large commitment to the advancement of students from HBCUs. Hello, everybody. Welcome to ESPN's Anscape Roden Fellow Podcast. I am your host, Pam Rents. I am a graduating senior at Florida A&M University studying journalism, and I'm from Waldorf, Maryland. I have the pleasure of being joined with my um, colleague and producer, Monet Heath. Hello, everyone. My name is Monet Heath. I am a senior journalism major, sports administration minor at Howard University. And I'm so excited to be here with you all today. Awesome, awesome. So let's just jump right into it. We have a great show for you guys today. Um, we're going to be talking about um, our experiences as women in HBCU bands. I um, marched in the Marching 100 and Monet marched in the um, Howard Marching Band. And we're bringing on a special guest to talk about um, our experiences. And then the recent controversy with the LSU versus Iowa um, championship for the NCAA uh, women's basketball um, tournament. So we have a lot of good segments coming on today. So recently, we discussed our mutual interest in being a part of the marching band and at our respective HBCUs. Yes, I thought it would be a great idea to discuss our experiences and how influential the marching band is for the culture of HBCUs. Um, marching band seems like a male-dominated sport, but women have played a huge part as well. Today, we have Howard University alumna, Destiny Moore. How are you doing today, Destiny? I'm good. I'm, I'm doing okay. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much for coming. Destiny is my former drum major at Howard University in the Showtime Marching Band. <laughs> uh, first, can we just start by um, just having you introduce yourself? Okay. Hello, everybody. My name is Destiny Moore. Um, I graduated Howard class of 2020. I was a drum major the last year, 2019, 2020. Um, and yeah, I studied psychology. I'm, I work in the healthcare field. Now I work at a hospital. Um, yeah, but I still love band. I still participate I'm, uh, in alumni, alumni organizations and um, the mass band here in Houston. Oh, cool. You do mass band? Yes. Nice. What's your principal instrument? Trumpet? Oh, nice. Okay, cool. Um, very nice to hear from you. I am a member of the Marching 100 at Florida a and um, and my principal instrument is euphonium. Oh, that's my secondary. Okay. Oh. <laughs> yes, I picked that up at Howard. Yes. Oh, nice. Monet, what do you play? Um, I played the trumpet. I played the clarinet originally in middle school, but um, I became a trumpet player. Nice. Came to the right side, the good side. <laughs> okay. We we won't even we won't even go there. It's really low breath all day, but I'm gonna let y'all have it because I'm outnumbered. <laughs> but what motivated you to want to become a drum major? 
Okay, so it was my last year in the band. I actually missed the tryouts that we had previously. We usually do them in the spring for the upcoming season. Um, that summer, we had a transition of uh, power. So we had a new band director taking over. So they redid auditions in the fall, which is something, you know, we never do. Um, and it was at that point, it was at that moment where I was like, is um, something I've, I thought about very little, but... Um, as being one of the few upperclassmen in the band, it was something where I was like, I kind of felt like a responsibility, I guess, um, being a very dedicated um, and enthusiastic performer and band member. I was like, I feel like there is something that I could bring a value to this position. And as being like kind of a role model for younger people, um, being one of like, again, like I said, one of the few upperclassmen in the band, I just felt like. If somebody has to do it, I definitely feel like I could, I was definitely able and willing to take on that role. Awesome. Yes. Yep. So um, I was there for the audition process and it definitely was very hard. So um, from my perspective, I'm not sure, but um, after that tough audition process, um, how did it feel to know that your hard work would pay off and um, allowed you to become drum major at Howard? I, I really can only celebrate for a minute because that happened at the end of band camp. So we had games coming up. Like I had to learn everything. So <laughs> it was like the whole semester. I was just on like grind, like grinding, like learning everything. Cause I didn't really get to prepare over the summer. Like people normally do. Um, I had to really start learning right then. So it was fun. I, I congratulate. I got, you know, a lot of messages and I, you know, got to celebrate for a little bit, but from that point it was like, okay, now it's time. Now it's time to learn everything. <laughs> Yeah, that is a really short turnaround time. We choose our drum majors in the spring. They have like their own training camp, like all throughout the summer. And band camp is for like them to work well with the band and get acclimated with like the bandsmen. Right. That was a very special circumstance. I don't think that's happened since then. I think it was just that year of new people taking over. They want to re redo everything. Mm. which I'm glad you know I wouldn't have been drum major if that hadn't happened so right <laughs> so. um so were you able to adapt quickly to the culture of Howard's marching band or um like did, was it kind of like a um it's now or never like I have no other choice but to adapt because we're in the middle of this or we're about to begin our seasons yeah well for me, it was easy. It was easy to kind of adapt being the drum major um, because a lot of the stuff that you do as a drum major is just built off of the stuff you learn as a member in the band. So, you know, the marching is the same. You just add on like little flares. I don't have to worry about my instrument, but now I have to worry about what am I doing with this arm now that I'm not holding an instrument. Um, you're you're still doing formations and stuff on the field, but now I'm, I'm more aware of like my whole body because, you know, marching, I kind of just worried about, you know, a little bit up at the top and mostly, you know, a lot of the bottom and the music. But now I have to focus on, like, my whole being um, and working on that. So it was kind of just adding on the stuff that I built, all the skills and all the um, training I had as a band member. It was just building on top of that. So it wasn't a huge transition because I, you know, I worked hard as a band member. So it was really just more like, now let's tweak some things, make some things different and... Um, building on what I already kind of had established. Okay, awesome. Um, so what legacy did you hope to leave as a woman in the Howard University marching band? I, I never thought about that. I never thought about leaving a legacy. And in fact, 
I, when I came in as a freshman, we had a female drum major and she was there for two years. So my freshman year and sophomore year, she was a drum major. So that wasn't, for me, that wasn't something that was abnormal because I, you know, coming into the band, that was my experience. Um, so I never thought about leaving a legacy. I just wanted to be um, a good leader. I wanted to be a good example for other, you know, underclassmen or for people aspiring to be drum major. And um, it's always, as always being a woman, it's always about being like that good representation. Cause there's every time, you know, you're in the spotlight, people want to look and uh, be super critical and, you know, have a lot of stuff to say because, you know, you are a woman in this position, but just leaving another good example, um, like we've, like we've been doing. Awesome. And I guess you're saying like, you were just kind of stepping up to the plate when you saw like there was a place of leadership that needed to be taken. Like it wasn't really about you or like how people are going to view you from the future. Right. It was more like this, what, what is best for the band? And I hate to say it kind of like, Oh, I'm the best thing for the band. But like, I'm like, what would I be um, good in this role? I said, yes, I feel like I would be a good in this role. And um, thinking about the greater good of everybody. <laughs> Right, right. And uh, what kind of challenges did you face? Did you face any particularly cha- particular challenges because you were a woman in this position? Or did you just face like just the normal uh, early mornings, late nights type deal that drum majors deal with? Ugh, it, that was a hard question because there are some things that I felt like could have been attributed to me being a woman, but that's not, that's kind of, that's a really hard thing to prove. Like, is it because I'm a woman or is it because I don't know, I'm new to this and I'm still learning. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the most thing I get is just, you know, being a woman in leadership in general, you get a lot of pushback. You get sort of like that um, negative um, qualities attached to you when you're being stern and you're being directing and being, you know, kind of more aggressive. Or just like when you, even when you're passionate, when you're passionate, it's kind of seen as being like, oh, doing too much or um, being like, you know, <laughs> a, a ne- any negative qualities you kind of associate with women. Um, so that's something that, you know, I feel like a lot of people experience. I wouldn't, I can't, you know, definitively say if it's because I was a woman, but, um, you know, you know, I have those thoughts sometimes like, oh, would I be treated this way? Or would they see my words as like, like aggressive if I was if this is coming from someone else but um it never it didn't bother me I just you know I just knew that I was doing the my best and I was doing a, a I was doing a good job so I was like that's all I'm, that's all I really care about yeah I mean I was um marching my when I came into the family marching band I came in in fall 19 and Corey Bostic the very first um female drum major at Florida A&M um, she was my she was my drum major and it was really nice to have her um, as a drum major like on trips and stuff like that um, she was really like a cool person to talk to um, I would say that people did give her a really hard time because she was a woman I like anybody could see it no one really can can, can deny that but um, it does set a president for women in the in the band it does set a um, a standard for us and I, despite all the insults and harassment that she got, I'm glad that she she bit the bullet and then left the legacy that women can do this and can be in this this so-called or, you know, uh, um, in a man's world, she can take a man's position because she's just as good and she can play. 
So I like to say, like, you know, it's it's good that you did take take the the time to think about your band and think about what you can do for it. Right. And it could be the dynamics of the band. I know Howard um, in general and our band is very, you know, we have a lot of women and women tend to outnumber the men in most spaces at Howard. So it's kind of like, I mean, I was working with a lot of other women in the band, so it wasn't, you know, maybe it's because we kind of outnumbered <laughs> the men in the band, but maybe I didn't, you know, get a lot of pushback. Um, but I can definitely see that if it was like majority men in the band, I could definitely see that being more of an issue. Oh, so it's predominantly women? Yeah, just at Howard in general. Okay, wait, wait. It's predominantly women at FAM, but it's not predominantly women in the band. Uh, I never counted, but like we, it's strong. It's definitely not male heavy. Wow. And our band, our band is much small. Like our band is a really small band. So, I mean, that could also. Uh, play into things okay I see interesting I never knew that well do you have anything else to add we loved having you oh thank you guys maybe any like (laughs) so much for having me um I always like to talk about my experience and um just put more like good positivity and uh good uh, words out there for other women uh yeah yeah thank you guys so much Yes, thank you so much, Destiny. Have a great weekend. Thank you, too. Bye. See ya. All right. For our second segment, I think it's important to talk about the historic NCAA Women's Championship game between the Iowa Hawkeyes and LSU Tigers. Okay, Monet, let's talk about Miss Angel Reeve. Now, she is breaking the internet. I mean... Her impact on the women's basketball community this past week has been mind-blowing. I mean, she's been on headlines from across the nation, sports uh, media outlets, and just news outlets. Um, her explosive personality on the court and the uproar she's her commentary has been starting on Instagram has just been keeping me entertained all week. Yes, definitely. Um, I had the honor of being at the NCAA Final Four, so it was amazing to see how um, both teams played. And um, I see why Jill wanted both of the teams to come to the White House for this championship celebration because they did so amazing. But many people on TikTok and Twitter are questioning if she would have invited the LSU's team if Iowa would have won. Yeah, but from your perspective, seeing um, like the game go on live, how do you feel the um, the trash talk or the taunting or the atmosphere in the arena was? Was it as as harsh as people make it out to be? Was Angel Reeves really giving um, Caitlin Clark uh, that hard of a time or a, a more more harsh time than any male player would have gave their opponent in a championship game as well? Yeah, in my perspective, it really wasn't that bad. So literally when that taunt was happening, I was trying to get down on the floor for the celebration because it was literally about a minute left in the game. And so I was it was some Hawkeye fans near me and they saw it and it was like, oh, well, she should try to win with some grace or class. So that definitely gave me the side eye because it was like, you know, I'm so used to watching basketball literally every week in basketball. People are trash talking and. You know, that's just a part of basketball culture and the game. So I just thought it was really weird that 
it was turning into this thing of her being like classless and not having any integrity in the game or whatever. So it was very, very noticeable in the arena. And it definitely um, caused me to open my eyes a little bit. Yeah. And I, I can play devil's advocate though. I do personally side with Angel Reeves. I feel like that her actions are taken um, a bit more harsh because she is a black woman and sometimes we are seen as um, more aggressive um, and um, yeah. more dominant. Um, prior to that championship game, Caitlin Clark also isn't a very uh, is a, a very aggressive player. She also when she was winning and her team was trudging through the brackets, they also were having their moments. And I feel as though, I don't know, I just, I, I think she she is getting held to a higher standard than we even hold um, professional athletes like Steph Curry, Draymond Green. They, they can talk to the cows come home and nobody really says anything. They'll get put on a meme, they'll get put on a highlight, and we'll go about our day. But Angel Reeves, there, there are, are fans, or lack thereof, calling her a classless piece of SHIT and, and saying that she doesn't deserve what she has because she she held up her her left hand and pointed to her her ring finger in Caitlin yeah. Clark's face talking about go ahead and ring me now. Like it's a part of the game. It's an entertaining game. And I mean she's had a heck of a ride with her career. She didn't even start at LSU. She started at UMD, you know, right. from Maryland. Got it. Got to go hard. But I mean, she came a long, long way. So I don't know. I'm on the Reeves side. I'm on her side. Yeah, definitely. Same here. And for me, it was like, um, obviously, both teams were great. I have a lot of a lot of respect for Caitlin Clark, the work she puts in and the points she puts up every game like that's amazing. So I definitely think it was an opportunity for just women's basketball to be on a better platform and for what it turned into, which was this kind of weird it will obviously I'll just say race issue it was unfortunate and hopefully you know from this we could just focus on what's more important which is um these women showing up and putting in the hard work for basketball yeah for sure um what do you think about um first lady Jill Biden's comments um I mean she was speaking at the Colorado Capitol and um I know she was at the game she she was really inspired by the um the sportsmanship um, as she puts it, and wanted both teams to come to the the White House celebration. What do you think about that? Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm a little bit 50, 50 with it because I don't feel like it came from like a bad place. But at the same time, typically the losers never, I don't want to say losers, but typically the team that wins only goes to the White House and not the team that didn't uh, end up winning. So it's... um. I don't know, just for her to do that out of nowhere, especially after the whole controversy, um, it does raise a little bit of a question mark, a red flag. But overall, I think it got situated um, and I think LSU will just be there in attendance. So, yeah. Um, I'm not sure. I know that um, supposedly... Um, the LSU players had sent a um a message to Michelle Obama asking if they could come to their house <laughs> instead of the White House for um the celebration, I guess. Mm -hmm. And Angel Reeves had tweeted 
Joe Biden um, saying like, you know, we're not coming and yeah. uh, made it a thing. And that's why um, people like are continuously bashing her personality because she is not letting up. She's speaking her mind. And um, she even said in a statement like she's doing this or she she feels as though she's getting this kind of treatment because she's too they think she's too hood. She's too ghetto. <laughs> And she's doing this for the girls that look like her, because um, if nobody's going to do it, then then it'll never it'll never really change. The stigma will never really change. But with Joe's comments, I do I do genuinely believe like she probably was very inspired and was like, wow, women's basketball has come so far. Like they really did play a really good game. And she didn't think of the nature of what that invitation to the White House meant. And it wasn't coming to disrespect LSU's ring or their hard work. But, however, I do want a personal, like, a very clear statement from Miss First Lady or her press secretary of would would she have extended the invitation to the predominantly, predominantly Black team, LSU, if Iowa would have won? Because... She said it was for sportsmanship and people don't think that their sportsmanship was like up to par. Yeah, well, hopefully I just definitely think the whole situation has been really weird and unfortunate Um, just because like I was mentioning, like, you know, it's at the end of the day, it should just be about women's basketball. So um, hopefully everything just gets sorted out. And, um, you know, in the future, everything will look better. Um, and we won't look at the trash talk and things like that. It's just a part of the game. So that's really what, uh, so really just focusing on the basketball overall and not, you know, the little things like that. As a recommendation by Mr. Bill Roden, um, we had interviews, uh, we as in the fellows had interviews with the oldest family member in our family. Um, today, you'll be hearing from my oldest family member, my cousin, Blanche, and she has um, some words of advice for me and some helpful tips that she learned along the way during um, her young years and uh, throughout her life. I just, I wanted to just know like some helpful tips you've learned like throughout your life, mostly your young years and, um, you know, if you could go back and, you know, give yourself advice, like, what would you do? Like, what would you say? I said, I, I said, finish what you start. Mm-hmm. I said that because I'm saying that because I, I was 65 years old when I found out that I, uh, you know, had not, was not satisfied that I didn't get a chance to graduate at, my, at the right age and all. But I went back and got, and got my, Certificate in that sixty-five years old. I had I had a um, a daughter, and I had a son before, and 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 I had a, then I had a, a daughter by two two children by my by my son. His name was Lorenza McDougal McDougal Dougal. And but I, I am uh, determined to get my education because I'm going to be like you, and you know, don't start something. And I, I never was satisfied with just not having that my edu- my certificate. Mm-hmm. 
diploma. And I went back to 65 years and got it. And so that was one of the things that, that I had. And I, I was I married. I was married for 55 years. And to the only husband that I ever had. And we stayed, with, you know, stayed together that long. Before he deceased in the... In the and at that, 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 that time, so I don't know what uh, I, I, you know, lived on. A, lived on a really close nature. We lived on a farm in the neighborhood, and uh, in that in neighborhood that we call Rentsville, but uh, in, in the name never did get that pu- published that much. But about uh, the name of it, we called ourselves because so many of us was. Rinses that we call ourselves the Rinsville because so many of us we living next door to each other, house to house, and uh, everything was going well. And but I just I recommend Jesus and to everybody who just don't know what they don't know. Jesus is the best friend that we ever had, ever will have. And if Jesus can't do it for us, he can't, it can't be done. Because mm-hmm. Jesus, Jesus can do whatever we think we want to do and he and trust in him and Jesus and never doubt and uh and uh I woke up this morning this 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 very day and I was I was I was just uh uh overwhelmed with how we come through Christmas he's not Easter but I'm mean, Easter but not Christmas but uh how Jesus has had gave me this song in my heart, and it said, "Nobody but you, Lord. Nobody but you." Brought me out when I was in trouble, and nobody but you, Lord. It was nobody but you, and I'm and I still say, He gave me that song, and it made me my heart saying the day, ninety-two years old, ninety-one. And uh, it was nobody but you, Lord. Nobody but you. You brought me out. And all the troubles and up and downs of life. I've been through it all, but it was nobody but you. I didn't do it by myself. It was you, Lord. Nobody but you. Wow. And that's all. Give God the glory. Wow, yes. I, I definitely agree. Did you enjoy your Easter yesterday? Huh? Did you enjoy Easter Sunday yesterday? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, indeed. Yes, he, he's, he's alive. He is risen. He's alive. He's alive. He's not on that cross, but he gave it all up for, for me and for you and me. He didn't have to do it, but he did it. And I, yeah, I enjoy it. I enjoy listening to the seven last words and that the preachers, that most preachers was preaching uh, uh, Sunday anyway about how he suffered and bled and died and because he did it for us. Well, nobody but you, Lord. Nobody but you. Amen. Wow, thank you for all this information, especially about going back at 65 to finish off what you started. It's never too late. I think that's what, what really never does. never too late. Never too late. You, you, and you don't do it for pride. Oh, yeah. Being glory. And no, no, being glory. You don't do it for that. It ain't for that 
There's something that God wants you to do, and you want to do it, and you're going to be fast, fast, happy until you do it. And that's the main thing. Other than living in Tallahassee for college, I I live in Waldorf, Maryland with my with my parents. That's where they've been living since, like, 2015. Yeah, that's North Florida. North Florida. No, no, no. Waldorf, like Waldorf, Maryland. Like, like Charles County, Maryland. Oh, you mean in, Mar- in Maryland? Yeah, I've lived in Maryland since I was like ninth grade. That's why I said like I came to visit you maybe when I was like 14. Well, that's all for today's episode. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Follow us at at Anscape on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok to keep up with our HBCU experiences. To our audience, thank you for tuning in to us for another episode of the Fellow Podcast. We'd like to give a special thanks to Mr. Roden, Parker Owens, and the ESPN Digital Audio Content Team. Be sure to stick around to the very end of this episode for an exclusive look into the Roden Fellow Otis Family Members segment. Get all of your Rodent Fellow HBCU podcast episodes by subscribing to the Anscape Listen tab of the ESPN app. Make sure to join us next time for another HBCU podcast. And don't forget to go on the Anscape website to look at the latest news and insight. Have a good one. Bye, guys. Bye.